I am Yanata Baloo, here once again with... Michael Garling from a distance. And this week we are joined from a distance by... Kev Kozer. Kev, thanks so much for coming back on the show. I believe this is your fourth co-host uh, stamp on the uh, card for getting a free burrito eventually. <laughs> oh man, I'm going to hold you to that. But yeah, uh, three normal appearances and one Detective Pikachu bonus. Yeah, congrats, and we're glad to have you back. I'm really glad to be back. I've been, like, counting down. I remember teeing up with uh, Michael. I want Heracross or Don Fang, because I love those boys so much. And I've just <laughs> been counting down every hundred episode comes out. All right, it's going to be three or four away, because <laughs> I just love being on this pod. Well, yeah, thanks well. so much. We love having you. Yeah. So, we had you back in Gen 1. Uh, tell mm-hmm. us about your Gen 2 experience, if you've had any. Uh, yeah, this is just Gen 2. Just wanted to relay sort of like how cool it was to have new Pokemon coming out for the first time. I think I mentioned in my first episode that I have a very vivid experience of being like laid out, laid over in an airplane port when our flight back from Florida was turned into a red eye, basically. And so to keep their seven and five year old sons calm, my parents give us copies of Pokemon Gold and Silver as like early Christmas presents. And those worked really well. And, but before then, like the hype and mystique about Gen 2 was like so strong. I remember trading with a friend from church uh, Japanese Pokemon cards, like a Japanese Sentret and Meryl cards, and just think, what are these things? This is so <laughs> cool. And then, probably between those two experiences when the Pokemon movie came out, and you had like Snubble and Meryl in uh, the Pikachu Vacation short. And then the little battle Ash does at the beginning of the movie proper with the guy who just randomly has a Dawn fan. Hmm. And you're just like, what is this? <laughs> and that's why I love Diamond so much, just because I have that memory of just being so excited about this Pokemon Beyond 150 I hadn't seen yet. Yep. Yeah, I still have that feeling about Dawn fan. Like, what is this? It's, it's a great fantasy amalgamation. Um, Today, mm-hmm. I so I just uh, in I think everybody's binging something in quarantine. Like, let's be honest here. I just finished uh, my re-binge of Avatar: The Last Airbender. Mm. Um, so I'm gonna have some thoughts on that related to Pokemon design today, uh, just because they I love that show because they actually make fun of themselves for the whole like, oh, every animal in our world is just a combination of two animals um, because they have this great exchange where it's advertised that a bear will be. A feature of a party they're going to and they're and they all just start asking wait like an owl bear like a platypus bear and it's and they're like no it just says bear for some reason what's that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i forgot what that joke is one of the best jokes in the whole show yeah it's so funny and they really take the time to like drive it home and make fun of themselves i appreciate it so much um but something else i appreciate is my mom's episodic contributions to this show with the game of mon mom kev you've played it before would you like to play it again i mean of course i would all right well michael uh out of courtesy i will ask you would you like to play a game of mon mom also oh yeah buddy all right so this week uh once again for the uninitiated i have sent my mom a picture of one of the pokemon that we are uh talking about this week and this week we will be going through quillfish scizor Shuckle, Heracross, Sneasel, Teddy Ursa, and Ursaring. 
Uh, so she's seen a picture of one of these Pokemon. She knows nothing about Pokemon, so she's going to describe what she saw and give it a name, and it'll be up to Michael and Kevin to see who can guess what she's talking about. Um, as always, we'll ask that Michael goes first to give our guests the opportunity to play defensively because Michael just knows my mom very well at this point. Uh, gentlemen, are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right, here we go. This Pokemon looks like an upset mushroom. I will name it Suri. Okay, so that is a Super Mario mushroom that she has named Curry. Uh, Michael? This feels like a layup. I'm going to just say it's Shuckle because it's you know red and spotted and everything. Okay, and Kev? I don't like playing defensively, but I mean, I kind of have to play defensively here. Because, I mean, yeah, like Michael said, it's a red and white sort of spotted thing. And this time, yep, I gave you guys an easy layup this week because I just love Shuckle so much. <laughs> it's just the most arbitrary idea. We'll get to it. But we're going to start with Quillfish so this weird. week. Um, so congrats to both of you guys for tying on Mon Mom. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Mom, for contributing as always. Uh, but, Michael, if you could start us off with Quillfish. Quillfish is a blowfish, clearly, and it's a water-slash-poison type. Nothing interesting there, is it? Um, no. I mean, I do think that for going for the blowfish thing, I like the, like, as much as I criticize the weird, like, bulging lips on a Goldeen last generation, <laughs> I think on the blowfish it kind of makes sense, because it just looks like it's trying so hard to hold its breath right now and remain puffy. <laughs> yeah. I mean yeah, it is such a cool design, and I mean, you kind of wish there was more to it than just sort of hanging out. It's definitely one of those Pokemon that sort of hangs out in the decks, and I can't, I, mean, I can't imagine having it much like. I kind of wish it could it? do like Strategy. the I kind of wish it could do the porcupine thing and shoot its quills. Yeah. Oh, it well, it does in the games. They say that it shoots its quills. Uh, it has to. I don't have it in my notes, but I believe it said that it has to consume like 250 gallons of water i need to double check that now uh mm. to blow out its quills oh wow yeah I think a, it is. Yeah. it's one of those insane pokemon stats that you get fairly often in this game yeah that is a not insignificant amount of water um <laughs> oh sorry sorry i i greatly misrepresented it 2.6 gallons of water at once to fire its poison spikes. Okay, that's a, that's a very crucial decimal point misplacement. <laughs> yeah, that's still a lot, though. Oh, yeah, 2.6 gallons of water is a lot of water all the same. Um, I don't know. Maybe if it's 2.6 instead of 26, the kids writing these entries are, like, getting a little older, a little wiser, and a little less, like, crazy with them. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we'll report back to you from Gen 7's Pokedex entries when we get there <laughs> um, and see how scientific they are. Maybe they read more like an Animal Planet documentary or a Nat Geo documentary than what we're currently getting. Um, but for now, I mean, this is a really simple design. I do think that, I mean, Michael, you say in the notes, and I agree with you completely, water poison is a pretty tired trope at this point. But Yeah, I, I'm in a weird position with this one. In that, I think this is a slam dunk of a Pokemon because it is a blowfish. So mm -hmm. it has to be water poison. But we already had that with Tentacool uh, in the previous generation. So I'd like this a lot more maybe if it were later on. Like if this were released in Gen 3 or Gen 5 mm -hmm. or later on down the line. I'd be like, oh, cool. Yeah, we haven't seen water poison in a while. 
Yeah, continue giving us some more diverse types before you go mm -hmm. and fall back on... Even if a Blowfish is kind of a... It's a good design for a Blowfish Pokemon. It just very much does the job, but... Yeah. But we didn't need another Water Poison type after so many of them in Gen 1. Mm. Yeah. I think there were yeah. only the two, but still. Like, it's just the idea that this isn't filling in some void that we had. Yeah. Well, I mean, there maybe mm. not have been so many Water Poison types specifically, but there were so many Water and Poison and, types. Ah, uh, yeah. 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 Um, sorry. Yeah, and... I think like I was saying, it's just very much like competitive was really for earlier. It's not used in competitive play. Yeah, it's very redundant to tend to cool and tend to cruel, which I feel also like kind of cooler designed Pokemon. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Like, I'd love to know the psychology of why someone would want this in their party besides it looks neat. But yeah, yeah especially I mean, there's when, not much else going for it. Yeah, especially when you have the alternative of tentacool and tentacruel. Like, what's what is the point of this guy? Like. I can tell you the fisherman's wife is definitely taking Tentacruel over this boy, so I don't know about everybody else. Yeah. Um, one thing I did yeah. want to note, just because we're all fa avid fans of The Simpsons here, is that is the infamous use of the blowfish in pop culture prior to Pokemon by The Simpsons. Mm. Um, one of the best early season Simpsons episodes uh, where Homer goes to a sushi place, which surprisingly continental of a cuisine choice for Homer Simpson in retrospect. Yeah. Especially, like, early 90s Homer. Yeah. Um, going to a sushi restaurant, not making a thing of it, um, and being brave enough to try the blowfish, no less. Um, I thought he would be that guy that goes to a sushi restaurant and tries to order a burger, but they didn't even make that joke. Um, yeah. I mean, thinking about blowfish in pop culture now, I mean, there's a lot of them, because it's a very distinctive fish. I mean, mm. Finding Nemo and Shark Tale mm -hmm. both had to get blowfish in there. You know what, I mean, what Shark Tale also had to get in there? The fish Martin that looks like Martin Scorsese. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Looked like and voiced by. Yeah. Was Shark Tale the one that had Will Smith voicing like the yellow fish or something? That looks like yeah, Will Smith. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It was like right at that first, second wave of, like one of the first, second wave of DreamWorks movies like post Shrek where they're like, let's just get big names and have them do something. Don't worry mm. about the story so much as long as we got Mark names on the marquee, that's all enough. And a lot of the movies don't hold up for that reason. So two notes about that. First, I didn't realize the Nero fish, sorry, not the Nero fish, the Scorsese fish is a blowfish. Oh, whoa. Yeah. I wonder if that's uh, a kind of a veiled criticism of Martin Scorsese or something like that. I mean, mm -hmm. he's playing the fish, so. So maybe he chose it himself. Maybe he has some kind of love for blowfish. Maybe, uh, but I want to draw your attention to the De Niro shark in Shark Tale, who has De Niro's mole and everything. I've never seen this movie, but it just looks absurd in terms of like design and everything. I just remember that's yeah, that's among those like movies that I just kind of associate in history, even though their plots and tones are apparently very different. Like they just come out so close together. So Finding Nemo and Shark's Tale were mm -hmm. so close together that it was just like really another animated fish movie. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of like No Strings Attached and Friends with Benefits. Apparently one of those is actually a pretty good movie. Um, Deep, Deep Impact and Armageddon. Um, mm -hmm. Yep. And then you had a... There was a there was Dante's Peak and another Inferno movie or something like that about volcanoes. Volcano. Yeah, there was... A, Simply Volcano, yeah. The Illusionist mm -hmm. and the Prestige, which we've discussed before. I mean, the list goes on. Yeah. I mean, I know with animation, it's a matter of, like, actual corporate espionage. I mean, that's how Ants and Bug Life comes out. <laughs> because it's, Katzenberg wanted revenge. 
two yeah, movies that exactly. are so completely the same. Like, and the one <laughs> successful DreamWorks Revenge is uh, Madagascar, which is like there's this obscure from like a third party Disney studio. Think about it the same way, I guess, like Rareware to Nintendo, this now defunct <laughs> studio to Disney, trying to outsource some animation called The Wild from like 2006. Huh. Took like years to come out, and Catherine really scooped them in Madagascar, and that was like the one that was really successful and paid off of like, uh, like no one knows the wild other than my vague memory of commercials huh. and looking up on Wikipedia. I was like, oh, they stole. Even Wikipedia admits, oh, they stole this. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'd yeah. never heard of this until now. Go figure. The poster looks familiar as soon as I saw it, but yeah, I know nothing about this. Peter Sutherland is top of the bill in this movie. Yeah. I mean, they realized pretty quickly that the reason why Madagascar was successful was entirely because of uh, the Penguins. Mm. Which is why the Penguins eventually got their own movie or series or something like that. I was talking about this on Twitter. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I just need to... Because this podcast has slowly turned into us digging up children's movies that we never saw but have vague memories of. Uh, So your stars of the wild the voices of Kiefer sutherland jim belushi which that one makes sense to me mm-hmm. eddie izzard janine oh, garofalo wow. oh no <laughs> so two alt comedy legends already there william shatner and richard kind featuring an original score uh, by alan silvestri what an unfortunately Amazing. stacked cast and yeah i think i will venture out on a limb to just kind of psychoanalyze us and say that the nostalgia themes that have now perpetrated that have now permeated what three episodes that we've recorded in social <laughs> distancing including this one uh 100 because we're in quarantine and that's what we have to entertain ourselves is what movies haven't i seen in the past uh 15 years that mm. could take my mind off of all this i mean for me it's just an animal crossing oh well Patrick I mean, warburton is in this Eric Idle was playing simply Wildebeest. <laughs> what, what a what great amazing naming. what an amazing mid-aughts cast of like an animated movie. Oh, I've got two Just... more that are completely absurd here. Colin Hay of Men at Work is in there as a flamingo. And Don Cherry, the Canadian hockey announcer, is a penguin. I love that they don't have any actual character names. They're just known by their species, which just automatically does not bode well for this film. In oh, my opinion. no, it gets better. Uh, Don Cherry is actually playing Penguin MC, a Southern Rockhopper penguin. Oh, God. <laughs> I have to wonder, like, I mean, is this even worth, like, a bad movie viewing? Because I get uh, the sense it isn't. I mean, probably not, because at least people remember Ants and Shark Tale and Bugs Life and Finding Nemo. All, there's all of quality behind them. I mean, if Madagascar is far and away the most memorable of those two pairs, Uh then it doesn't bode well for the wild. No. Uh, Claudia Puig, reviewing for USA Today, suggested that the wild was, quote, the most wildly derivative animated movie in ages. It borrows its themes from Finding Nemo, copies elements of The Lion King, and has a shockingly similar plot to Madagascar. And this is a Disney movie, right? Disney-ish. Yeah, like, it was released... The poster says Walt Disney above it, which I'm sure the old man's head is rolling in its uh, its cryogenic tank. I mean, there was that early aughts period where Disney was just churning out garbage. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I just want to defend... It wasn't Walt Disney Animation Studios proper. It was, like, something 
under them, like, what Blue Sky is now, or, like, what the Tim Burton stop-motion stuff. Like, these a little outside the Disney brand sort of reaches. Yeah, yeah before uh, they brought in... computer animation into their main house of mouse. Uh, no, they're already... the same time. They shifted to that by 2006, I think. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, it says, produced by Walt Disney Pictures, animated by Core Feature Animation, mm. and, yeah, distributed by Buena Vista. Uh... I know we're all over the place right now with these animus, but to tie a few points together, <laughs> I want to go back to Madagascar and the Penguins and shout out how in a cast like stacked with names like Chris Rock and Stiller and one of the titular friends, uh, <laughs> you have the best voice performances are these penguins voiced by three animators. <laughs> and then Jeffrey Katzenberg is like the one that makes noises, which is very funny. Really? Yes, look it up on the Madagascar cast. In future That's sequels, funny. it's voice acting legend John DiMaggio, a master at weird voices. <laughs> but for the first one, it was just Katzenberg in a studio making, doing the grunts uh, ones for that silent one. But then, yeah, the other three are just like animators, and they're like by far the best performances in those movies, and they get to keep playing those characters in those spinoffs as an animator with an iconic performance gets to do because. Nice. Easy check. Oh, it's yeah. like how Brad Bird plays Edna Mode. Yes. I didn't realize that, but Edna Mode oh. is... I mean, e The Incredibles 2 was a little bit disappointing. I didn't think it was... It was entertaining. It wasn't great. Um, the original Incredibles was great. But Edna Mode just absolutely mm -hmm. is a gem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, just before we move away from this, I want to share that if you look at Wikipedia... Uh, and this is Under the Wild, it's under any other Disney animated movie, you have a one of those boxes where it's Disney theatrical animated features, and then it's divided because it is a corporate megalith into Walt Disney animated studio animation studios films. So that's everything from Snow White to Frozen 2. Mm -hmm. Then Pixar. Then Blue Sky, but only the Blue Sky stuff that has come out since Merger. So Spies in the Skies and another one coming out in two years. Live action films with animation, Disney Toon Studios films, which are basically like we took um, this was going to be for video or it's the team that does TV shows, but we moved it into uh, theaters. So like DuckTales, the movie or Goofy movie. Mm -hmm. Then Disney Television Animation, which is a whole nother thing. Finally, other Disney units where you find stuff like The Wild, Nomeo and Juliet and Bob's Burgers. <laughs> Bob's Burgers, what an MVP show to have on that roster. Yeah, it's just weird to think Bob Burgers a movie is technically a Disney film coming out next year. And <laughs> Tina will be a Disney princess. <laughs> oh my god, that's totally true. I really hope she shows up in the next oh. Kingdom Hearts video game then. Uh, Imagine Bob's Sora Burgers. with his big shoes and Tina just being obsessed with Sora's butt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we can end this episode here. It's not going to get better than that. <laughs> I like a Kingdom's Hearts, a Kingdom Hearts with a Bob's Burgers level and like a Marvel level and a mm. Star Wars level. Just, just completely flex that they own everything. Yeah, I mean it is that franchise has just gone crazy since it first was conceived. Um, Which is funny because it was a crazy franchise from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, allegedly the result of executives randomly meeting in an elevator. 
um, that happen to be in different, like, happen to be going to different parts of the same building for a meeting. Like, people from Square were meeting with uh, people at Sony and Disney people and so on and so forth, and they just tossed the idea out there, and it actually <laughs> came to fruition. Um, That's fine. Yeah, this is why it's important for you folks. Always have your elevator pitch ready for any uh, story that you're working on. Um, so, uh, we want to have our spiky-haired anime uh, sword guys come and hang out with your mouse. How does that sound? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, there you go. That's a good pitch. I want to have Final <laughs> Fantasy characters in a universe where they're interconnected and living amongst Disney characters. Because at the end of the day, all these stories are about heart. Boom. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh. I mean, I just want to, speaking of crossovers, I'm glad I was able to find this tweet under such short notice. Food for thought, and it's a picture of John Cena with the Scooby-Doo gang. Oh, yeah, And then a picture cool. of John Cena with Terry from, uh, was it Final Fight? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Terry. And then Smash Bros with Terry and Cloud, and then Cloud and Sora. And then you can just keep going. I mean, Sora's met Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Oh, and, and the reply is there's like Batman hanging out with Scooby-Doo and then Batman with Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat with Kratos and Kratos and PlayStation All-Stars. Yeah. I mean, I feel like uh, I feel like Smash Brothers is kind of like the Kevin Bacon of character connectedness. Like once you can find your way to mm-hmm. Smash Brothers, you can get anywhere else. Well, I think Ryu from Street Fighter is the Kevin Bacon and the fact that he's in Smash is what really just unlocks everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, good there's point. A, I mean, there's an honest to God, There's a Family Guy Flash fighting game that they managed to license Ryu for as an unlockable character. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, because I think they pitched the idea to Capcom, and Capcom found it funny enough to say, yeah, sure. I mean, good for them. I'm gl- I always like it when companies can have a sense of humor. Speaking of having a good sense of humor, shout out to Rog McElhenney who, like, last week on Twitter, like, somebody asked, like, hey, how do I go about securing the rights if I want to produce, um, you know, The Nightman Cometh? And he just said, dude, just do it. If anybody tries to give if any lawyers try to give you shit, just come back to me. And just shout out to him respecting Mm. artists that just want to do something. Um, Which is not something that the House of Mouse typically does very well at, so... (laughs) No. So, yeah. Um, Who now own The Nightman Cometh? And own you and I, darling, because we are both technically trademarks of the House of Mouse. It's true. Uh, <laughs> I went to Disneyland just like a week before the shutdowns all started. Uh, and uh, I was buying a t-shirt because I'm an annual pass holder. And there was a special Indiana Jones Adventure 25th anniversary shirt that I wanted. Uh, and so the woman behind the, ca- uh, the cash register, she looks at my card and goes, Oh, I love that you have a Disney name, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's it's true. Yeah, no one ever said, no one's ever said that to me when I've shown my name on uh, to uh, Disney people. But hey, because huh. I did, because I did go uh, to Disney World on my birthday a couple year, three years ago, um, and so to get the birthday pin in Disney World, I had to show ID, showing that my birthday was within oh, a yeah. week, um, and yeah, no comment made at all um, i was planning on doing that this year getting my birthday pin going on my birthday but well ah uh, hugs michael darling uh your decameron birthday was still a delight i hope you enjoyed <laughs> yourself and don't worry we'll make up for it um i'm sure so let's uh let's talk about another boring shiny oh, here uh just a quick correction terry is from fatal fury not final fight 
So many FF fighting games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyhow, yeah. Um, oh, one other one uh, to add to the chain of crossover. Mm-hmm. The Tony Hawk series of video games. I remember which one it is, but there is one where unlockable characters include Iron Man and Darth Maul. And Spider-Man, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he made that list. That was a that was another that was during the weaker years of Marvel where they were just like looking for any licensing money they could get when Marvel was mm. nearly going bankrupt before <laughs> they got bought out. Um, and here we are now in this glorious future where we're getting three Marvel movies a year. Um, not this year. Well, yeah, not this year. Touche. <laughs> I mean, I'm noticing that a lot of studios are changing over to releasing things digitally. I guess Marvel is not going that route apparently. I think uh, if you sink $200, $200 million in a movie, you kind of want it to have a good rollout. Touche. That's just my logic, yeah. I think because Disney has been hurting because, you know, there's no movies, there's no theme parks, so, like, most of their annual income has just gotten just demolished. So you'll know they're really hurting when they decide to release Black Widow to, uh, like, uh, streaming surf. Well, not streaming, but, mm-hmm. like, uh, video on demand. Yeah, I mean, that Artemis Fowl movie went straight to Disney+, Plus, so yeah. I guess that's a, not a sign of vote of confidence. Mm-hmm. Mm. Here, we'll give you this one for free. Enjoy. So, yeah, so Quillfish is shiny, Mr. Darling. How interesting is it? It's kind of a sickly medicinal purple. Like, it's fine, it's good, but I'm getting tired of purple shinies. Yeah, I mean, it seems to be kind of the weird goat. It's weird to me that purple is such a constant go-to, um, regardless. I mean, it looks very Mega Man-y, actually, to me. Hmm. Huh. Like, I don't know what. Like, I don't know why. How else to explain it except it looks like an enemy in like a certain Mega Man level. Um, it's just I that, get that particular purple shades. Um, mm-hmm. But aside from that, yeah, I mean, there's not you. We've spent most of the time that we're going to spend talking about it, talking about other things. So that's always a good sign that unless you have any closing <laughs> thoughts, Michael, I think we can move on to a legit to the just a nice yeah. run of amazing Pokemon. Um, mm-hmm. I think the one neat thing is that it kind of resembles a naval mine. Other than that, oh, yeah. Kev? I mean, just to Inception style, go up so many layers and close <laughs> the first parentheses I opened with all of this. Uh, so many blowfish in pop culture, and this just looks like another blowfish. Uh, mm-hmm. You usually expect Pokemon to have an extra spin on it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's a perfectly serviceable Pokemon. It's just, this seems like a weak one when it's, here is the sequel. Here is, you're mm-hmm. used to the concept, we're going to go a little bit crazier this time. Which is what yeah. we're going to see in the next few monsters. So, I mean, I guess they can't like, all be winners. I guess the one question I would have is that it has that weird paddle with kind of a yokai face on it for a tail. <laughs> Does it do mm-hmm. anything with that? Like... Other than it's a tail, I think I mean, it's just a tail. All right, well there you go. There's a waste. There's wasted potential. Uh, way to yeah. leave that on the table. I mean, I wish it learned like double slap or something to make that work, but no, no, just you know, just okay. your basic poison stuff. It does learn acupressure though. It seems fitting for having uh, needles. But moving on, moving well, on. Well, preview, my Mon Mod is going to involve that tail, most likely. So, we'll come back to that in a little while. But, let's get to Sizor, who I just love. <laughs> I've oh, always yeah. pronounced it Scissor, personally, but, yeah, With some of these, you have no idea anymore. I mean, I just, uh, I, it's just the fact that, like, 
because of Razor, I kind of want to like, mm. I kind of want to be able to pronounce the second half of that the same way. So that just kind of like automatically inclines me to pronouncing it Sizor. And I'm, this is one of the rare times I won't fight you, Michael. I'm going to admit that I'm fully saying it wrong and that <laughs> I am just too dumb not to. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, scissor is a bug slash steel type. This is the first time we've seen this combination. And it evolves from Scyther, one of my favorites from Gen 1, mm-hmm. when holding, when traded, holding a metal coat. Um, overall, what can we say about this guy except he's amazing? And I think that the weird thing is is that they could technically retcon Scyther and get away with calling Scyther a bug steel type, but I admire the fact that they created this mechanic where, no, let's just create an evolution for Scyther, because mm-hmm. Scyther very clearly has metal in his scythes. But... Yeah, uh, Scizor uh, has just... uh, Hang on, I've I've just got to deal with something that I just realized. He has lobster claws, not scissors of any kind. (laughs) Yeah, it's... It's for chopping, but yeah, they're definitely more lobster claws. I guess you could say the Mega Evolution is more scissory, but... I mean, even that, they're more clampy than they are scissory. Um... I mean, I'm just picturing the robot from frickin' uh, Futurama, the clamp. Yeah. <laughs> Give him the clamps. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Clamps or? Is that yeah. what we're calling this one? But I mean, it's. Sorry, go ahead, Kev. I say it's it's cool though that it sort of loses its flying type, and then like sort of the Pokédex sort of reflects that. I'm just looking over some of these entries now, and there's like a recurring theme of. Like, it can no longer fly, so instead its rings regulate its temperature, which is really cool. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, I am going to... I know I, I know this has been, like, a running thing that I keep saying every single... Uh, at least once an episode, but... Scizor just really looks like a Mega Man boss. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'd like, go Mega Man X with this one. Oh, yeah. 110%. Yeah. Um, looking up... Scizor, uh, I did find this very delightful image that I just sent to our chat on the side of the Google Meet that we're using for this recording. Um, and it is just the cutest little thing of <laughs> of a Scyther just trying really hard to paint himself. It'll be in the show notes, folks. Um, but yeah, I found it delightful. Because I somehow am not seeing it. Uh, the little chat window on the side, if you click the little text button next to the uh, on the top right of your Meet window. Yeah, weirdly I'm not seeing that, but oh, whatever, it's... It's fine. Okay, well, it's, it's there. It's fine. I'll, I'll sit in the dark. Fair enough. It's adorable. Folks, you will enjoy what Michael Darling has been deprived of through the limitations of his technology. Um, but overall, I mean, I think it's a really cool addition, all things considered. I mean, yeah, Me- Mega Man X villain, villain crossover aside, this is the one time where the Mega Man X thing kind of works. Because it doesn't just look weirdly like a Mega Man X villain. Like, it has a very valid reason for having those design features based on its pre-evolution and the changes to it and everything like that. Um, oh, yeah. The Mega Evolution is just badass. I mm-hmm. don't have a single bad thing to say about this boy. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm also picking up a little bit of HR Giger uh, mm-hmm. and Super Sentai also. Mm-hmm. It's just sleek. It's terrifying. It's wonderful. Uh I'd like to draw your attention to something very strange. Uh, one moment from the early 2000s. Uh, the Oregon Ducks football team, they briefly introduced a new Nike design mascot hmm. uh, that was like their normal mascot is this 
adorable, literally Donald Duck in a green outfit. But then they introduce this ridiculous, streamlined, muscular uh, duck that lasted maybe one game because everyone was like, this thing is stupid and ugly. And Scissor looks like the good version of that. Yeah, I mean, Scissor just looks like the good version of everything. I'd even argue that he looks like the good version of Scyther. <laughs> I, and I love Scyther, but he just... It, it, this is such a perfect evolution and improvement on Scyther, a Pokemon that, you know, back in Gen 1, I just thought he's the coolest thing. Um, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, they found a way, and plus... I love the fact that it kind of pays homage to Scyther in a weird sort of way with the shiny. The fact that it's shiny oh. is Scyther green. Mm. The shiny's so good. Um, yeah. And usually, like, green is like purple. is a very overused shiny color, but this works so well for it. Yeah, especially because Scyther's shiny is just like, we're adding a little bit of hint of red here. Mm -hmm. So that they're like, we're going to revert back to Scyther's colors. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's a great flourish and touch. Like... That, you know, you have very slim odds of ever actually seeing, but it's a nice touch and it's a nice thought and respect to Gen 1. And I just think overall, like, I mean, they actually just knocked it out of the park here in even little ways like that, where if you'd asked me to design this Pokemon and what shi what color to make the shiny, it would have been like, oh, uh, let's make it like gunmetal gray or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, just to go with, just to dig deeper into the steel type, you know? Um, yeah. Which would be good, but it's not as good as, like, the cool callback to its pre-evolution form. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I've never hmm. been more excited in Pokemon Go than when I encountered a shiny Scyther. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to catch this, and this thing's going to get evolved like that, because I want that green scissor. I think... This really is a great contrast to Quillfish because there's so many elements going on. Mm -hmm. Like, all the things you guys said, and we still haven't talked about how, like, the claws have little eyes on them, so they're, mm -hmm. like, fake heads, which is so cool. Yeah. And, uh, like, I mentioned the wings before, how they're not mobile wings, but it's because the wings are made of, like, steel. There's just so many weird little touches to this thing that all add up into one really cool design. Yeah. Battle droids. That's what I was thinking of. The battle droids from the first oh, yeah. Star Wars prequel. Yeah, and they didn't even need to do anything like super that. weird or out there with it. They really just took mm -hmm. Scyther and just imagined him being a little bit more of a lobster boy. Yeah. This is an evolution that could stand on its own as a separate Pokemon entirely and still work. Yep, but it's enhanced by the fact that it's tied to Scyther and like tied back to Scyther in some interesting ways. So, oh, yeah. So great design, mm -hmm. great evolution. I wish that they followed this kind of I don't want to break it down to a formula, but kind of approached it with approach Gen Two editions with this philosophy in mind. Um, I also wish, you know, kind of looking back on Quillfish, that they'd taken the time to add a little bit more of the new typings, uh, as opposed to giving us another Water and Poison type. Um, yeah. You know, we really don't have like we were so excited hearing the promise of a new pair of new types, and we only get one pure Steel type and one pure Dark type for this generation, so. Um, I'm not too even sure we get one pure steel type. Oh yeah, that's right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Every it's all steel, steel type something is, else. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, yeah, so there we go. That's missed opportunities. But yeah, I mean, at least this kind of redeems it. Um, darling, any closing thoughts on Scizor? I mean, we, apparently we just I mean, love this guy. Yeah, I mean, I think every steel type that they introduce works very well in Gen Two. Mm -hmm. But um, 
Uh, just wanted to add, it has a mega evolution that basically just streamlines it, uh, streamlines it more, as well as makes the two claws a lot more jaw-like mm -hmm. and very spiky. And just, yeah, more intimidating. It goes up by 8 inches. Uh, Baloo, I know you love height. Uh, scissor is 5'11", so it's very punchable. It's, uh, yeah, it's point guard height. That's Chris Paul height right there. Um, <laughs> oh, man. But the Mega Caesar goes up to a full 6'7". Oh, man. Yeah. That's, so, uh, yeah, that's getting, to Ke that's getting to Kevin Garnett height. So, yeah. <laughs> so we're looking at, we're looking at this Mega Caesar, uh, getting obsessed with a gem. I just watched Uncut Gems again this morning. <laughs> nice. Because yes. it got added to Netflix, so it was right there on my front page. <laughs> um unabashedly and i that movie's still great don't get me wrong i'm not going to dig us back into my ghost kevin garnett theory that i went over with chow when he was last here um but i still stand by that theory it still holds water in my most recent viewing as of this morning <laughs> that garnett never uh, doesn't actually show up at the end kg where's my pseudo wudo <laughs> just gonna bust out that chestnut again <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so dumb. So dumb. Mom yeah. cut gems, folks. Um, Baloo, have you taken to just watching computer-played games of NBA 2K in lieu of the actual NBA? Oh, God, no. I'm not... I do miss the NBA profusely, but I haven't gone down that pathway for it yet. I think that um, what spare time I do have in quarantine, I've been using it, thankfully, for... Video game for regular video games, like actually playing video games, uh, like the Final Fantasy VII remake, and rewatching shows for which I have nostalgia. Um, but actually, uh, speaking of a show that I don't have nostalgia for, but it's great, uh, I started She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, and it is delightful. So I've heard. Yep, highly recommended to folks. Um, a lot of the same DNA of a Avatar: um, The Last Airbender, which got added to Netflix last week, I think. Great show awesome um if you like that show i would recommend she-ra and also the dragon prince on netflix um they have a lot of the same dna and just like respect to deeper characters that are multifaceted and things like that um can't go wrong cool cool, cool, cool. and yeah, we I... can't go wrong with discussing shuckle unless there are any closing thoughts on scissor kev uh i think we covered it all it's a really cool pokemon <laughs> yeah yeah we are it's crazy that we're got like three interesting bugs in this generation because I'm not normally, yeah. or at least not even in this generation, in this episode. Like, I'm not even into bugs that much, but these three that we're in the middle of are all kind of interesting or just weird. So, mm -hmm. speaking of, Shuckle. Uh, you do not fuckle with the Shuckle. Uh, it is a bug slash rock type, which is the first time we've seen that particular combo. Which I find kind of surprising, but you know what? They really did it right with this. I mean, I just, I just love this design for so many reasons. Um, I could, I'll be effusive with it throughout, but I'll let you guys take the lead. I mean, I'll just chime in, but because you guys know me, I very rarely am so full of positive energy about these Pokemon, and today <laughs> I'm just, I'm just a ball of blue joy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll just start by saying, like, you get it in a very odd way. You can get a free one from a Pokemaniac in Sianwood City, or you could just catch wild shuckles by breaking rocks. So Which... it's a weird case of being both an event Pokemon and also one you can just get in the wild. 
Which kind of implies that if you're breaking the rocks to get the shuffle, shuckle out, not just like moving them to find a shuckle underneath, that means the shuckle is literally encased in the rock? Or on the rock and you break it and then it's like, hey, you broke my house. Oh, fair enough. Maybe it like tunneled in and it's like use, it has like a little rock igloo that it like yeah. tunneled into. Yeah. I mean, that's always one of the more interesting things that I remember... I'm thinking about it in terms of like a bolder version of like how beavers make a home in a dam, which is that they <laughs> put their dam together and then they're able to swim in from underneath and then up and into their little domicile. Huh. Yeah. Nice little, nice little fact. So maybe that's what yeah. a shuckle does. It kind of burrows underneath and then mm -hmm. hollows out the rock from underneath and makes a little rock igloo. Hmm. Hmm. Kev? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's such a cool Pokemon. I mean, just design wise, before we get into like all the stats and, in-game stuff it's just yeah it's just five little limbs like well four limbs and a head sticking out like it's kind of wormy and the shell is so cool mm. makes a sort of super mario mushroom looking color palette it's just yeah it's another really well-designed pokemon and oh, then yeah, yeah in, add the in-game stuff and it becomes like really fascinating yeah, yeah. so i want to talk about the fact that like it's where it basically is a turtle bug i mean this is the closest thing <laughs> i think we've seen thus far to a turtle in mm -hmm. Pokemon, other than Squirtle. Uh, I was going to say, Squirtle says hello. Yeah, other than Squirtle, I said. Um, okay. But, like, so we've got, like, a basic, well, tortoise, I guess. I guess this would be, like, the land version equivalent huh. of it. Um, but it's all, but, like, I just love the fact that it's just got this kind of, like, gooey, floppy, almost Susian feel to, like, its long <sighs> neck head with no distinguishable, like, joints or parts. It just looks like gooey slash serpentine and kind of floppy and it just looks like it would be your best friend um there's this video on dorkly uh that they did talking about like evolutions and disappointing evolutions and like each pokemon evolving and being disappointed with what they thought was going to be an, an awesome evolution and then finding out that it's not all that great and mm. shuckle just shows up throughout that video saying like all right can't wait till i evolve looking forward to it <laughs> gonna be something super awesome and like he sees uh alakazam evolve and he's like oh man when i evolve i'm gonna have so many spoons i can i can't wait just spoons <laughs> everywhere <laughs> um so i will put that video in the link uh r.i.p dorkly that was a victim of an unfortunate uh habit on the internet where apparently they got bought at like their parent company or they got bought out by some investors slash venture capitalists uh, that proceeded mm. to then clean house because they're they were sure they could monetize the model much more efficiently blah 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 um but if you follow dorkly on any social media that would explain why you've been seeing the same 10 videos reposted again and again and again for the past six months um yeah Screw that noise. Let creators be creators. Like, there's a reason why these platforms get successful in the first place, and it's not, and it doesn't rely on venture capitalists coming in and making them lean all of a sudden. Um, sad news aside, uh, yeah. what else have we got on our Shucky Boy? Um, well, normally with these Pokemon, it's easy to tell what their inspiration is, but Bulbapedia lists three possible origins, each of which is a paragraph long. So it could be like a fungus or barnacles or all of these other various options. But yeah, it's just a weirdo. I appreciate that this one is not easy to classify. Yeah. I really want to get into this sort of weird in-game stuff with Shuckle. Oh, do uh, it, buddy. Yeah. So that's basically 
Pokemon, six stats, HP attack, special attack, defense, special defense, speed. And the encoded into the game, a Pokemon can have between one and 255 uh, points in that stat. And that's like, like a Pokemon species has that as like the stat for all of them. Like so the base. Shuck, yeah, the base, as a base. And then it will get altered through leveling up and then other more complicated stuff. But what you have to know, basically, like a Pokemon's defense is... Here's all species. So all Shuckle have a base defense and special defense of 230, <laughs> which is higher than, like, almost maxing it out, higher than nearly every, I think every Pokemon, including legendaries. Yeah. And then attack and special attack of 10 each and speed of 5. So it is a slow, weak little guy, but it can hang in there and just take hit after hit. And that's incredible. Yeah, I mean... In- Every category except for those two defense and special defense, uh, it's either the lowest, second lowest, or third lowest in base stats. And that's hilarious to me. So that leads me to wonder, like, how does that speed manifest in the game? Because I feel like speed in Pokemon just kind of, like, usually affects which Pokemon gets to attack first, but then it doesn't Mm -hmm. really seem to have a noticeable effect after that. Um, Because you are guaranteed one turn each. Like, is there ever think, a situation where a Pokemon is fast enough to attack twice for Shuckles once in the game no, mechanics? No, but there are, I believe, some attacks that depend on being faster than the other Pokemon. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I would... Like, da- you get a boost in the attack power or something if you're faster. Yeah, I would be down with speed if, like... I would be down with, like, speed mattering more. Or, like, let speed matter more, where in the sense, like, if you do have two Pokemon that are that outmatched in terms of speed, like your rat attack and totally attack twice for every one time that this shuckle can attack. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm thinking of another RPG here, Final Fantasy X. Uh, it's this very small indie game that you guys might have heard of. Um, but if you got your character... But, like, they totally respected, like, character speed as a relative thing, where, like, if your mm-hmm. over-leveled party eventually went back to early game stuff where your speed was just crazy mm-hmm. higher than the random enemies you were fighting... Yeah, your characters would get to attack like ten times before an enemy got to attack once. Huh. Cool. Yeah. That's I mean, just a little, just a little thing. I mean, Final Fantasy X had the unusual mechanic of like showing you the party's turn order, like on the side of the screen for like the next ten moves, so you could easily see like, oh, all of my characters are getting to go like ten times, and there's the enemy way down there getting to attack once. Um, it also made it a bit more strategic, which I kind of liked in the sense that like, oh, you can see which enemy is going to attack next and focus on that one to try to knock out the turn order before the enemy gets to even lay a finger on you. Hmm. Um, small thing. I think, I I just think it would make speed actually count for more if that were the case in this, uh, in this mechanic in game. Yeah. 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 Cause you're guaranteed. I mean, as long as you survive, you're guaranteed to get a hit in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking about, um, I'm also thinking about the fact that, like, hey, I grew up watching Dragon Ball Z. Speed was a very important thing in those <laughs> fights, where, like, if you were fast enough, you could, you know, your enemy would basically stand still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, I darling. I know you don't like anime. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't speak anime. There's a difference. Fair enough. Um, but I don't want to keep us from Kev's favorite uh, reason for being here. Uh, any closing oh, well, thoughts on oh, yeah. Chuckle? Or... Uh, 
I, I want to keep us because there is one other cool thing about Shuckle. Yes, go for it. And that is uh, in Gold and Silver, before Pokemon abilities were a thing, which like usually Pokemon has an ability that has some sort of in battle or out of battle effect. Uh, Shuckle had this thing coded straight into the game, where if it the held a soul. berry, it could turn into berry juice, which then the Pokédex talks about how like. Because that's what Shuckle do is they would take berries and hide them in their shells, and then the sh they would berries would ferment in the juice. And so that's really cool. And it's just then abilities came and these things became more codified, and it never really became its ability. So that sort of method just went by the wayside, and now it just holds berry juice when you catch it. But yeah, I, I thought that was a really cool little feature that they put into for Shuckle. Oh yeah, yeah, I love that thing. That's such a weird hidden mechanic that I feel like most players would never encounter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I didn't mess around with the held items too much, which yeah. I kind of regret back in the day because, and this is always something that happens to me with almost every RPG, is just like going back and finding out that people just basically can break the game in certain ways <laughs> with mechanics <laughs> like that. Um, again, speaking back to Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy VII in particular, I never messed around to any great depth with materia combinations, but apparently you could literally break the game and just cruise through without having to worry about leveling and stuff like that in the original Final Fantasy VII if you put together the right combinations. Um, for my part, same thing, there's apparently like that meme about like how Rattata can beat any Pokemon, a level one Rattata with like oh, yeah. the focus belt or something like that. Yeah. Um, Here. Yeah, I never learned how to put those crazy combinations together. Um, so, suffice it to say, I find it interesting when people find these uh, find these things, but completely missed it when I was a kid. Um, I think the only thing I figured out was just like, oh, it might be worthwhile to hold a berry so that they can heal themselves. <laughs> that was the depth of my strategic thinking. Yeah, I mean, that's still where I am when I was playing Sword and Shield. Uh, shield, rather. Yeah, um, as I recall, berries were a renewable resource in this game, right? Kind uh, of. You could get them off of trees, like one every day, yeah. I think. Oh, okay, good. Or three every day. Like, one bunch from a tree every day. Let's put it that way. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's sort of the idea is, like, potions that you could grow yourself. And that would become, like, they'd go much into more mechanics in, like, later games. But well, I think years. that... I think that has to account for the fact, and this was something that I harped on a lot over the course of Gen 1, is that unless you're going to try to farm money with, like, Meowth's payday, there is a <laughs> limited amount of money in the Pokemon game that you can possibly acquire. Mm -hmm. um, because there are only so many trainers you can battle, and you could only battle each trainer once. Yeah. So at a certain point, payday became your only source of income. You could um, be at the Elite Four as many times as you want, but that's such a hassle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. But uh, but okay. So berry juice aside, are we ready to go to uh to our to our next bug? Uh, just a quick thing, which is that the shiny for Shuckle works quite nicely. The red rock becomes blue. Mm -hmm. Which I guess since my mom made the comparison to the Super Mario mushroom, it is interesting. Uh, did you guys ever play the Super Mario Brothers Lost Levels or what was actually Super Mario Brothers Two in uh Japan? Yes. I played a couple levels, and I thought, this is crap. I don't like this. Yeah. It was just super hard is what it was. Yeah, um, yeah. exactly. But, yeah, they, but they also had, like, the poison mushroom. That was me when I was five as a little kid, and I got a copy of it. I remember hitting that mushroom, dying, and being confused enough that I said, 
there must be something wrong with the game, and did not learn my lesson and jumped on, proceeded to jump on that poison mushroom two more times before my parents told me, no, that mushroom is evil. Well, because the poison mushroom is supposed to look discolored, but they also introduce it super early on in the game to try to get you used to it. Mm -hmm. So I, so like as a little kid, I just thought, okay, in this game, they changed the colors of the mushrooms. Like, mm -hmm. you didn't have a standard to guess, okay, here's the normal red mushroom that is friendly. No, here's the purple mushroom. It might just be the first mushroom you encounter. And you think, oh, they've redone this for the new game. Hmm. Um, so I was very mad at Super Mario for that. Shame on you, yeah. Nintendo. You're supposed to be better than that. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, the original poison mushroom is kind of brown with uh, dark spots. Weird. Um, you know what? Speaking of Nintendo, I did finally sign up for Nintendo Online. Um, mm. I played some Mario Kart 8 yesterday. Uh, did mm. have a potentially divisive question. Which Mario Kart is your guys' favorite? Ooh. Man. Because um, they all have such distinct feels. Like, there is definitely yeah. a Mario Kart game feel, but they all move around within that space in such a different way. I logged the most time with Double Dash, which was really fun. Yeah. 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 I think the only console that I owned when I was younger, I owned handhelds, but the only console I owned when I was younger was the GameCube. So I spent a lot of time with Double Dash, my brother and I, and we mm -hmm. still love that one to this day. Mm -hmm. uh, I played a lot of 7 on the 3DS, and I've been playing a lot of 8 Deluxe on the Switch. Mm. Um I, they're all great, but I think Double Dash might be my favorite because it has such a unique mechanic of you pick two players or two characters, you have special items for each character, you're swapping between them on the cart itself. It's a lot different flavor, I think, compared yeah. to the other Mario Karts. Yeah. I'd permit it this way. Double Dash is definitely what I was nostalgia for and like the most emotional connection to. I tried to pick one Mario Kart to exist, so I'd go with eight deluxe, just because as all of these bells and whistles and like it's a sort of the Smash Ultimate of the franchise. I mean, yeah, it has almost everything you would want from a Mario Kart game. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so that much option. I mean, it does. So like my roommates, uh, the only console they sort of owned for the longest time, Nintendo console rather, was an N sixty four. And so there's one sitting on our shelf, and like they've busted up Mario Kart 64 and Smash Bros. 64 a couple times, but they didn't nice. grow up with those franchises. So when I moved in with them and brought a Switch with Mario Kart Deluxe and Smash Bros. Ultimate, they were very oh. overwhelmed by <laughs> the choices of oh, characters, yeah. of stages, of mechanics. And I always have a very unfair advantage over them when playing those games, just because they don't know, and like in Smash Bros. what an assist trophy does that much, or what all these new characters' gimmicks are. And in Mario Kart, it's just like... Like, I try to give them input, like, hey, what course do you want to play? And they're just like, just pick one. There's so many. Nah. It's too much options. So maybe there's something to be said about uh, having less options to start. Yeah, well, I mean, I turned on Mario Kart 8 for the first time in a while yesterday, and I've forgotten that just out of the box, it comes with, what, like, 36 characters that you can mm -hmm. choose from? Um, yeah. Whereas like back the... in... Sorry, go ahead. I like that they had everything unlocked in Deluxe. Just like, hey, this is a party game. Let's just give you all of the material you need, except for you know the cart pieces you keep collecting throughout the game. I think that's a nice touch. But mm -hmm. you know they didn't make you have to unlock courses or unlock characters. It was just mm -hmm. like, hey, you want to play as Waluigi? You can be Waluigi. 
Yeah. I mean, I will say that of 36 characters, my friend and I who were playing online, because they don't do split screen for online play, uh, of course, of the 36 characters, we both play, picked Link. So yeah. it was just completely confusing. And we did up Link the exact same way, too. Nice. With the, uh, <laughs> with the motorcycle and everything. Um, <laughs> so completely confusing when we were playing Battle and no one could tell us apart. Um, but... I kind of like Mario Kart 64 just because of, like, the fact that, I don't know, there's, like, a certain sense of, like, grit and weight mm. that Mario Kart 64 has. Um, that Mario Kart 8 is a very clean game. It's so well-balanced and everything like that to what Kev said. Like, I love the fact that there's so much to it, and yet they balance it out so well. Mm. Um, but also, it feels very it feels almost a little bit too clean and smooth in terms of, like, huh. the vehicles and their sense of weight and inertia and grip. Like, I get that they're sliding around and all that, but I don't know. That's just my take on it. Like, Mario Kart, when you did, like, a jump and slide, you definitely felt like your cart was, like, skidding against its, like, wheels turning for some reason. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, I feel like 64 is Mario Kart at its purest, hmm. uh, just because it's like, all right, just pick a character, pick a track, mm -hmm. go. There's no, like, well, if I, I'm going to pick this character because that character weighs more and then i pick this cart and these wheels and this uh parachute yeah. and then i'll pick this track like it's then, just straight up you pick a character and then that's all you have to do in terms of serious choosing yeah and then only 16 tracks as opposed to like 50 so it's yeah. like you're not overwhelmed by choice again yeah yep all right, I think that's a good signal that we should uh, get talking about a fighting bug boy. Oh, yeah. Heracross is, exactly as Blue said, bug and fighting, which is a brand new type combo. And mm -hmm. amazingly, this is another Pokemon that is only available in Gen 2 by headbutting trees. Kev, this is your time to shine. Take it All away, right. buddy. Yeah, this yeah. is my special request to be on the Heracross episode. That's because I think <laughs> this boy is so cool. Um, I... I definitely remember, like, never seeing it in the game because it's such an obscure method to get it. I mean, you had to use it. It was a TM, right? So you might not even have it around. Yeah. I think it was a TM and some Pokemon could just learn it. But still, yeah. like, it was very situational. Yeah. So I just remember, like, going through the game and, like, sort of coveting Heracross, like, not knowing how to get it. <laughs> but just, like, watching it on the anime. And Ash's Heracross, I think, is the main reason love his Pokemon. What a good boy. Just, like, a very sweet boy <laughs> who didn't want to fight and just wanted to eat sap whenever it was around. Had to be coaxed <laughs> into doing anything. Uh, and, like, it's been a while since we've had an Ash being a dumbass, so that's yeah, delightful. Yeah, Ash, yeah, Ash's Pokemon is, like, the dumbass. It's sort of like a very, much more genial Charizard situation, from what I remember. <laughs> And it just, but also just has such a cool design, like the horn and the sort of beetle design. It's really nice. Uh, I like fighting types in general. I think bug is a great twist on top of that. Uh, I love having one in Pokemon Go and using it in the Battle League. And especially I love having one because it's very rare in Pokemon Go. You can only get it if you go to like, uh, I think it's like equatorial regions or. Like, I think it's like. Florida and then all the way South America. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so I, I caught it on a trip to Florida and I was able to catch a bunch to trade with people back home. Thank you nice. very much for that. No problem. <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah, it's just I don't know. It just it looks cool, but it's a sweetheart, and I think that combination is something I really respond to. Oh yeah, 
411, so this is a big bug. Yeah, I mean, I overall, I, this is kind of hits all the uh, sweet notes for me in terms of design, which is, you know, Michael, you point out that it's uh, that it's inspired by the rhinoceros beetle and the Hercules beetle, and I just Hercules, love the fact that Hercules. those. I just love the fact that those features are so prominently recognizable. Like, you know that these are features that you've seen in real-world real world bugs, but they took it and then remixed it in this way that is just truly fantastical in the uh, truest sense of that mm -hmm. word. And it just works. I mean, it gives it a, they gave it a personality. They gave it a real sense of heft. Um, they gave it a real sense of, uh, you know, just... I love it. It's just the right amount of fantasy realism for a Pokemon that I believe could actually exist in this fanciful wildlife ecosystem. Oh, yeah. And it's just... It's just the perfect balance of sweet but clearly a fighter. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, the... You know, the older brother who will go to bat for you. I think it's mm -hmm. the best example I can come up with. Yeah, but it's not all sunshine and rainbows. There is some criticism to be found in in the Mega Evolution, Michael. <laughs> yeah, I don't like the Mega Evolution. I think it's too chunky and uh, too robotic. It looks kind of like a Megazord from Power Rangers. Like, it's mm -hmm. just, there's too much going on that looks, if you had made this an evolution for Heracross versus Mega Heracross, I'd be more in favor of it. But yeah, it just loses some of the charm points from our sweet little bug fighter. Yeah, like I said, uh, Heracross is a sweetheart, and Mega Heracross, it just looks like a much more generic, cool Pokemon. Like, where Caesar is, like, inspired cool, Mega Heracross is very generic cool. It just it has a bigger horn and, like, bigger arms. The Power Rangers, Megazord comparison is a really good comparison, because that's just sort of what it looks like. It looks, like, a lot more robotic and a lot less uh, huggable, basically. <laughs> I mean, I have two primary criticisms with Mega Heracross, and I'm not going to make these my Mon Mods because I still stand by my tail idea being the better of this two, so I'll just say it here. I don't like the abdominal vents that it seems yeah. to have. Mm -hmm. um, I also don't like the fact that for whatever reason, Mega Evolutions, if I'm not mistaken, have to be achieved through high relationship and friendship, right? Uh, no, basically you have to... You find a special stone, uh, in this case the Heracronite, uh, that you attach to the Pokemon, and then it'll Mega Evolve in battle if you choose to make it Mega Evolve. Man, I... Wow. <laughs> um, I am going to say that I I don't like the fact that they made this guy look angry, though. I mean, that's my mm -hmm. other criticism of it. So I was going to say, like, okay, if there's a friendship mechanic involved, why does he look so angry? But mm. even if there isn't a friendship mechanic involved, I just don't like the fact that he looks so steampunk and pissed off at the world. Yeah. Um, it looks like Toad Man from Mega Man 4. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It's a so, real Mega Man episode. It's a, yeah, this is a real 180 to go from loving Heracross so much to, like, just how disappointing that design is. But I think the mm -hmm. Mega Heracross design is such a disappointment because of how good Heracross is. Yeah. Um, it's a hard like, act to follow. Yeah, not to get into Mon Mod already, but this should be its own separate, like, Steel-slash-Bug Pokemon. It. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look enough like Heracross for me to be like, oh yeah, that's Mega Heracross, clearly. Yeah, yeah I think they should have just made this quadrupedal and just made it its own line. <laughs> um, yeah. Have it just walking on those gigantic Popeye forearms. <laughs> yeah. I think it hit me why it looks so different. Um, like the Heracross is a Hercules beetle, you said. Uh, that's a rhinoceros beetle, what Heracross, Mega Heracross looks like. Mm -hmm. 
It's mm. a different species entirely. So yeah, yeah. So mm. that's the one thing that takes the bloom off the rose. That and also like it's shiny is another kind of pink purple boy, which eh, whatever. Oh, okay. I just googled her. Hercules is a subspecies of rhinoceros beetle, so maybe I'm just talking oh, about my ass here. But, yeah, it, it does look too radically different. Like, I agree. Yeah. Cause, yeah, because Heracross, is, it's a perfect design. Mm -hmm. Even when it tries to get fierce in its animation, it still looks like... It looks like if the Grimace is trying to get mad at you. Yeah, and... I just love that it's, like, I mean, you look at Pokedex entries again, and it talks about how much it loves honey and how it's, like, a sweet Pokemon that just wants to hoard honey to itself, which is a very Winnie the Pooh-like characteristic. Yeah. But then it can lift 100 times its, its own weight mm -hmm. and throws flows with its horns and topples trees. So, yeah, it's got some nice power underneath all of that sweetness. Mm-hmm. Um... For the sake of it, I am looking up. It weighs 119 pounds, so just in case anyone is wondering, that means it can lift up to close to 12,000 pounds. Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, that is that is multiple tons. <laughs> <laughs> that thing is lifting cars and chucking them. <laughs> um, any closing thoughts on Heracross before we move across to another absolute delight of a Pokemon? Uh... I mean, not much. It's almost like it's so good. There's not. What else can there be said? Like, yeah. it's just so evident of like how much how much fun it is. And I guess my only complaint is like bug fighting gives it a lot of weaknesses. I wish it was more viable in a game besides just oh, wanting yeah. to use it. Four times weak to flying. That's yeah. that's rough stuff. And then fire psychic, which it should be a counter to, is strong against it. And then fire and fairy are also very common types. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, well, can't be perfect. Yeah. But uh, but tell us about our dark icy boy, Sneasel. Uh, Sneasel is, as Blue said, a dark and ice type. It's a brand new type combo uh, because dark is brand new also. Um, yeah. Weird thing about this and basically all the dark types. So Sneasel doesn't show up until uh, just outside Mount Silver, which means that it's in the post game to the post game. You have to beat all 16 gyms and the Elite Four in order to get Sneasel. And all of the Dark types didn't show up until the Kanto side of Gen 2, which is very weird to me. Like, they basically yeah. hid this brand new type that they hyped up up until... Well, with the exception of Umbreon, because you could evolve your Eevee into that. But still, like, they hid this type after the credits. After the credits in this game is a very lengthy period of time, though, mm -hmm. but still. Mm -hmm. like, I mean... And talk about earlier about scarcity of steel types, like Steelix and Scizor are evolutions. And so, what other new steel types were there besides Magnemite being retconned? Scarmony, which I yeah. don't. We haven't covered Scarmony yet. Uh, I think that was also a late. Oh, sorry, one, Scarmory. Though. Yeah. Uh, which. Well, doesn't sh oh, which you can find in Johto. You can okay. find Scarmory in Johto. But only in silver version. Still, like, yeah, that makes it rare. Yeah, so I think it just goes to show how much better handle they had on this sort of balance when they rolled out fairy type, where there was a lot more retcons to fairy, and then Gen 6 and 7 really pumped out fairy Pokemon oh, to make yeah. that balance sort of even out. And it's a it's a great addition, both mechanics-wise, lore-wise, etc. And so you kind of hope 
Like, it really took Gen 3 and 4 to rehabilitate Dark and Steel types to really plentiful it up and get interesting Pokemon in those types. Mm-hmm. And, like, more real frequently. Though, I mean, this is a great Dark type, so at least there was one Pokemon where it was done right by. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, mean, that's the thing. I, like, I love all the Dark types in this gen. It's just that they hid them all, basically. Yeah, I love this because it just looks like something out of, like, Shakespeare's, you know fairy king <laughs> kingdom like it just looks like it should be named puck and cast in midsummer night's dream i absolutely adore it um i think dark ice is a type that i feel like we don't see a whole lot like it shows up maybe oh. once or twice a generation in really sparing amounts i mean as much as we're complaining about the overabundance of water or poison types ice is a type that they are very frugal with and to have it combined with dark is just so wonderful to me um just on the typing alone i would love this pokemon but then you have this very mischievous scampy looking uh weasel pokemon and i love the fact that they made it like rather than going full-on weasel with it they made it just have like weasel like features and like its facial structure um Mm. but made it like it actually just feels like a dark mirror to a meowth of all things Mm. Um, i get that which i kind of like um not kind of, I really like it. So, you know, true to everything else, I those are my only thoughts on it. I just think this is a really good design with just such simple flourishes. Um, I like the touch of the claws even. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a little paunchy, uh, but, you know, I, I dig it. Um, I'm, uh, But uh, I'm ready to move on to the teddy bears yeah. whenever you guys are, but go ahead and uh, take it away, yeah. Mr. Darling and uh, well, Mr. Kosher. First, about ice, I think the problem is that with ice type they have to come up with some explanation as to why it's around like they have to create a cave that's frozen or an area where it's always Mm -hmm. hailing or something like it's the one pokemon type that they have to make completely biome dependent whereas you can encounter a ground type anywhere because there's ground everywhere there's water everywhere so you can Mm -hmm. find a water type easily everything else easily foundable in the pokemon nature whereas ice type they always have to be like Oh, here's the ice cave, or here's, you know, the, uh, the snowy mountain, or something mm-hmm. like that. There's always a justification that they have to create to put in ice types. Yeah, I guess more thoughts on Sneasel specific. I just like the sort of thief vibe it has going on. Oh yeah, like it can just sneak into the night and steal things, and yeah, it's just, and that's just pretty cool. Like it's has more going on than just, like it's on typical ice type is like. Here is a snowflake or mm-hmm. an, a thing made of ice or a little icy creature or a creature you find in a mountain. Like this one, the ice isn't doesn't overwhelm it. And the dark doesn't really overwhelm it. I guess it's more dark than ice, but it's got a lot going on. And I think this is just pretty cool. Yeah, like if you just looked at it, there would be nothing that would make you think it's an ice type. With that said, mm-hmm. uh, so we all know the black and red Sneasel, but in Gen 1 originally, sorry, in Gen 2 originally, Sneasel was brown with Hmm. like icy blue feathers, which Hmm. I like so much more. Like, I like Sneasel as it is, but I love this original coloration uh, that they got rid of in Crystal for some reason. And it's just, it's weirder. It's a type combination you don't see as much. Uh, The ice is a lot more apparent. Because of I'm the surprised they didn't go for that for the shiny design. Um, 
which we kind of skipped over Heracross, but this this ties back to it that both this and Heracross have pink shinies, um, and this yeah. fe and the feathering for the shiny Sneasel is yellow, which is a mm. great complement to the pink. It's got this very like sherbet feel. Oh yeah, yeah. Mardi Gras is how I describe it. Yeah, what's the name of that cake that they always make for Mardi Gras? I forgot the King's name. King's cake. Yeah, there we go. King's cake. I love that stuff. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah but yeah. Yep. I say it's got a bit of a, like a dancer's body too, like very light, which you know mm. you've seen a lot of Pokemon. Yeah, it's just really yeah. interesting. I would expect like it to be a part type. of a dance troupe. Yeah, it just looks mischievous. I love that. Mm. All right. Um, I, I also love admit... uh, like the later sprites that they've been using has it with its arms kind of folded, where it's just got giving you this clear attitude. It's like oh. You want to catch me? Okay, yeah, sure, sure. Fuck you, sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have one last thought on Sneasel, which is that you know I love talking about Pokemon diets. Apparently, according to the Pokedex, Sneasels will scare Pidgeys away from their nests to eat their eggs. Well, that's just good, smart hunting on their parts. <laughs> Shout out to Sneasel for having a good strategy. Um <laughs> As they should. I mean, that's just, uh, and that's just part and parcel for the animal kingdom in terms of like standard pred predation of uh, birds and their eggs. Yeah. Um, I know some of you guys might be disappointed by that, but I was the guy who watched animal documentaries, and when you know the mean old fox didn't catch the baby duckling that it was trying to eat, I was <laughs> sad for the fox. <laughs> that's how these things work. Um, speaking of predators, uh, let's talk about our little boo-boo Pokemon. Yeah. Well, I mean, first, Kev, anything else you want to say about Sneasel? No, I'm ready to talk about little boo-boo. Okay, yeah, let's move on then. Tell us about that picnic basket. Well, Yogi, Teddy Ursa is a normal type. I love the fact that you were able to just do a perfect boo-boo impression. I had no idea you had that capability. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Hey, that was really good. Shout Ooh, out to uh, yeah. shout out to your boo boo. I'm sure you should do that more for Meg. Shout out to Meg. <laughs> no. All right. So yeah, normal type. Um, yeah. I mean, it's cute. It's a bear. What more do you need? Yeah, I didn't have this when I was playing Pokemon back in the day because I opted for the Lugia version. I went silver. Um, oh. And this guy is exclusive to gold. Except. This is very weird. For some reason, it's exclusive to gold in the U.S., silver in Japan. Don huh. Fan, or rather the Fanfi line, is exclusive to silver in the U.S., gold in Japan. Hmm. I don't know why. I'm not sure how that happened. But yeah, it's specifically that crossover. It's odd. Hmm. I mean, I want to say straight up that this is... Another blatant case of copyright infringement, but for whatever reason, I'm going to let them get away with it because Teddy Ursa is just so effing cute, but mm -hmm. it is straight up a Teddy Graham. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's play Junk Food Confessions for a moment. Mm -hmm. I have on more than one occasion eaten Teddy Grahams like a cereal, and it was delicious. Oh, I thought that was like 100% the point. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. Um, I can't think of it. Oh, my, my chief junk food confession. I haven't done this since I was like maybe eight years old. But a, ba a box, a standard issue box of cereal, because I would have cereal for breakfast every morning when I was a kid. 
I would get through about maybe two-thirds of a box over the course of a week of school. So by Saturday morning, I would have around like a third of a box of cereal left. So like, say, tricks or Fruit Loops or something like that. What I would do on Saturday mornings before my parents woke up was take a can of whipped cream, just unload it in the bag, and then just sit watching cartoons and just eating whipped cream Fruit Loops out of a bag of cereal. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Kev? I'm I'm racking my brain. I'm I'm just too much of a rules follower to do anything creative with uh like snacks, I guess. I love snacking, but I don't I just get it in my mouth and I can't really think of anything creative I did with it. Well, in case anybody wants to know, I do have it on good authority that Kev once did the Homer Simpson thing where he wrapped a stick of butter in a waffle, pinned it with a toothpick <laughs> and then just ate the whole thing. The Space Age moon waffle. Which, like, yeah, no, in all seriousness, that one sticks with me because, like, on one hand, I kind of, like, feel my skin crawl from how much butter that is. But uh, butter is yeah. also amazing. <laughs> and there's, there's too much, though. And if you have a thick enough waffle, that could actually work. <laughs> Homer Simpson may just be a genius for that one. I have never had the guts to try it because I simply do not want to have a heart attack immediately after eating something. Um, yeah. But moving I, on, I mean, let's we can I, just talk about both of the bears in tandem, yeah. I guess. Because yeah. I just wanted to say, I think there's a Tumblr or something that is making the Simpsons food. Like, I think they've made the Space Age Moon Waffle. <laughs> oh my things. god! Yeah. Oh, no. Have they? Uh, have they? Have they done like an April Fool's blog post on Moon Pie? <laughs> Time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> this review, before we uh, move back to the bears, the recipe for moon waffles is you pour caramel waffle batter and liquid smoke into a waffle iron, and then you wrap the cooked waffle around a stick of butter and eat it. Amen then, uh, I guess you stab it with a toothpick, too. I mean, what did they say about, like, the all-syrup slushy, by the way? <laughs> Which it really took me until I like came out to California and experienced a Slurpee for the first time to like comprehend just what that is that they were drinking. Because when mm. I was a little kid, they just said like, "Oh, we're just gonna have an all syrup slushy." I'm like, "Okay, what what's the big deal there?" And then I realized once I saw what a Slurpee is, I was like, "Oh, they're taking all the ice out of this thing and just making it just sheer sugar yep. juice, concentrated sugar juice." <laughs> no wonder they tripped on that. <laughs> mm -hmm. well, yeah. uh, so, Boo Boo and Yogi, to a lesser extent. Uh, yeah, I'm fine taking these bears as a collective entity. Uh, Teddy, Ursa, and Ursa Ring. I mean, they're both just so perfect at each of their energies. It's like a mm -hmm. perfect yin-yang thing of cuteness and ferocity. I just absolutely adore it as a combination and family. Um mm. You know, Teddy Ursa, as I mentioned, absolutely adorable little sweet boy. Um, we're today's just Literally. full of little sweet boys, yeah. Literally, um, because yeah. Uh, it loves honey so much that its palms are just constantly sticky because honey has become part of its fur, more or less. It even <laughs> makes its own honey by blending fruit with pollen collected by beedrill. I mean, huh. so it's also got like a little bit of a Winnie the Pooh thing going on. Like, these little yeah. things go to their friends' houses and eat so much honey that they get stuck on their way out. Oh, bother. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, that was well done. You're just killing the impressions today. Yeah. Just um, on bears. Just on bears. Apparently, you can impersonate bears very well. Um, 
This is making me Earth. realize there's a lot of good bears in fiction. Like you oh, got yeah. Yogi, you got Pooh, you got Smokey. I mean, you've, more you've got, got Baloo. Baloo. Uh, yeah. You've got you've got Brother Bear voiced by Hawkwing Phoenix, which I have to bring um, up to everybody that Hawk this was Hawkwing. Hawkwing. Uh, Sorry, I don't know how to pronounce the first name. I'm really Joaquin. bad at it. Joaquin? Okay, thank you. Um, I don't know why I want to throw an H sound in there. Um, mm-hmm. Just but... remember you're Joaquin here. Okay. <laughs> uh, but Joaquin Phoenix got interviewed uh, about Brother Bear, and the interviewer claimed that it made her cry. And he just outright says, I don't believe that. I don't believe that you have ever cried in your life. Just <laughs> the most, just with the stunning certainty of a prophet that knows exactly when you're going to die. It is so, it is, it is chilling in the very best of ways. Um, I'm going to put that, put a link to that in the show notes if I can find it. But. I just remember, uh, I remember Brother Bear from my adolescence for one thing, which is that when my best friend Evan O'Brien and I were too uh, too young to get into rated R movies, we bought tickets to see Brother Bear so that we could plex into a rated R movie, and that is my nice. one memory of that film. Um, oh no, actually, wait, hang on, we did end up staying and watching Brother Bear because the rated R movie we were trying to plex into was full. <laughs> so oh. we had to go back to Brother Bear. <laughs> And yeah, speaking of Disney on the downspin, as we were Seriously. five Pokemon ago, that was yeah, that was like that was sort of the beginning of the end where it was like okay, now the bloom is off the rose. They just don't have the magic of these sort of doing these things the same way anymore. And just a really bad Phil Collins score and a really like cheesy morals and not great performances. Yeah, it was just like it was the first Disney movie I remember being like, I didn't like that, but I like Disney movies. I didn't like that. Huh. Yeah, very it's weird, feelings. and it's very telling that even with an area of the park that's more or less built out to incorporate Brother Bear into, Brother Bear bears no presence anywhere at Disneyland. I think um, I think in California Adventure, there was originally a part that was kind of Brother Bear-inspired, but then Up happened, they were able to flip that to be like the junior mm-hmm. woodchuck scout mm-hmm. or whatever it is uh, area. Yeah, I mean, even Tron has more presence in Disneyland, which, and Tron Legacy bears a very weird place in Disney pop culture appreciation. I mean, I think it's entirely mm. redeemed by its soundtrack, if nothing else. It's a weird movie. I rewatched it recently, and it's like, it's fun just because it's so weird and out there. It's a good time. I mean, it definitely shows the wear and tear of its multiple rewrites is another oh, is, yeah. is the main issue with it. Like you can tell based on like how, for lack of a better term, how schizophrenic Jeff Bridges' character is in scene by scene in that movie. You're never quite sure what his powers as the user are in that world. Like it's just clear that you're dealing with multiple people that had different interpretations of his character and his character's place in that world. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I would love to fall asleep every night to just Jeff Bridges saying digital jazz, man. Yeah, <laughs> bio-digital jazz. But these bears mm. are also digital jazz. I mean, they're just mm-hmm. both fantastic. Although we do come back to a very boring, shiny coloration. Um, mm. I like this green. I think the green's fine for these guys. I mean, I kind of, I'm trying to, and here's the thing where I'm trying to think of, like, what color would I like to see? I would honestly just like to see a fire red angry bear. Mm. Hmm. Um, or even just make them black. I don't know why shinies yeah. can't be just, like, 
Why can't we have a black bear? Like, why can't it would be fun to model it after um, the real world and have like the shinies be black or white? Um, I like that. Like my that. first, my gut instinct, a very cutesy pink, which would look very cute on Teddy Ursa and very funny on Ursaring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, any closing thoughts on the bears before we move into our uh, final three segments? Uh, I think Teddy Ursa is adorable and really works. Ursa Ring is just kind of a bear that they've added fringe and a circle to. That's all. Yeah, I mean, Ursa Ring only really works in contrast to Teddy Ursa because it's such a big, tough bear in contrast to the cute Teddy Ursa. Hmm. And uh, I had a very distinct memory of the anime. when I, I was falling off of the anime at this time, but I distinctly remember this episode where there was a cute Teddy Ursa trying to like steal snacks from people by being cute and then not being blamed because it was cute. Yeah. So it ends with it evolving and like the cute trick doesn't work anymore. Now we're scared of you. Yeah. I mean, we all had that one cousin, I think, growing up, or we yeah. were that one cousin. Either way, um, but uh, let's—we've talked about the Pokemon extensively as they exist in their world. Let's bring them into our world. This is Monster—a celebration of the harmony between humans and Pokemon. This is my world. Okay, uh, Michael. What do you think these guys would be doing aside from stealing picnic baskets? <laughs> uh, well, I think Heracross and Scissor would be used in construction and demolition. Uh, and then both Big Pharma and Wineries would have an army of shuckles uh, for mass reduction of potions, other healing items, and fermented berry juice. Yeah, I mean, I gotta, I gotta think that Sneasel's ice typing might make it useful in, like you know, safety things like clearing <laughs> roads during harsh weather conditions and things like that. I mean, it is literally a dark ice type, so maybe it would re remove, help remove dark ice from roads and things. Have you ever seen the Key and Peel black ice sketch? Yes. Uh, no, I haven't. Oh. Uh, well, it's a newscast talking about, you know, there's all of this black ice causing trouble on the streets. People really, the uh, authorities really need to do something about black ice. <laughs> and it's Keen Peel, so you know where this is going. Yep. Yeah. Yep. As soon as you we'll said it the second it. time, I, it clicked. And uh, yeah. I will look up that sketch, and it'll be linked in the show notes, folks. Uh, Keen Peel very, like, gets a lot of flack um, unfairly for people saying that it was just uh, them doing Dave Chappelle's show. Um, and even Chappelle made that joke, which I thought was really unfair and Shout out to Key and Peel for having the wherewithal not to just like turn it into a pissing match with him. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, their show definitely had a very distinct feel um, and personality that, you know, if anybody would claim that they were aping Chappelle, they did not pay attention at all. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, well, I don't like, have. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. Then, oh, just like there's some Key and Peel sketches that are very funny, but they're way bleaker about uh, politics than Chappelle ever was. Mm hmm. Yeah. I think about Keen Peel now, and it's like, as much as I love his film career, I kind of am disappointed that it's now everything's from the twisted mind of Jordan Peel. <laughs> he, mm -hmm. Like, he just had to go straight from comedy to only horror, and I'd love to see comedy from him again. I mean, the funny thing is, is that a lot of his horror is reflective of his sensibilities of timing and escalation oh, yeah. in his comedy. Um, which, you know, it just shows that the two are just... And he said this, that comedy and horror are two sides of the same coin. Oh, yeah. Um, it's just all about the ending. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, Kev, what do you think these guys would be doing in the real world? Oh, oh um, sorry. I just wanted to jump in and say that uh, Get Out ends on a joke. I'm not going to yeah. say anything more than that. But, yeah, like, yeah. it ends on a very 
like a very dark moment that then turns into a very funny moment. TSA motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Enough said. <laughs> yep. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's see. As far as in the real world, I mean, Earth Strangler was telling us to avoid forest fires, and I think Sneasel <laughs> would make a great gentleman thief. Just oh like yeah. Oh yeah. Stealing crown jewels and whatnot. Yeah, and we're talking Pokemon like really world. grandiose, like purple prose all the time too. I think mm-hmm. in the Pokemon world, it's not cat burglars; it's Sneasel burglars, which just doesn't roll off the tongue the right way. But hey, Sneezlers. Sneezlers. <laughs> I mean, that is a running joke in my D and D campaign that just every single thief group that I've ever invented has to be some kind of a stupid pun. Um, <laughs> I won't go into them here, but hey, if you're going to be a thief, yeah, have a good pun in your name. Um, but we've talked about the Pokemon as they exist in their world, all puns aside. Uh, let's talk about ways that we could improve them. Welcome to Mon Mods. Pika, pika. Remix, it had to go down. I got something else to tell you about the new All right, Michael, what are you changing? Uh, yeah, ditch, make a Heracross, maybe make it like a whole unrelated monster. Because as we've said, like Heracross is just so pure and good, whereas Mega Heracross is not Heracross. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and maybe give Ursa Ring metal claws. Like, I think make it steel type. Like, I think this is another week where all of the base mons are doing exactly what they need to do. Yeah, I mean, I'll disagree with Ursa Ring just slightly. I'm not gonna like impose this, but I think like at this point we have so many like other types that it's actually become weirdly. There's a certain point where vanilla becomes the interesting choice because of its rarity. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ursaring kind of accomplishes that because we don't see so many normal types anymore that like having a normal type and also having a powerful normal type because Ursaring, as I recall, is a powerful Pokemon. Um, great stats all across the board. Um, it's, you know, it's actually kind of interesting by way of it just being unusual, if not objectively interesting. Um for my part, and Kev, I'll let you close because mine is really quick. I kind of wish Quillfish, let's take the uh, poison type out of it and make that kind of give it the giraffe treatment where that there is kind of like a yokai face on the tail. So let's make it water ghost type and have the tail be like a possessed spirit in it that can like come out and do ghost moves. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, yeah, I don't have anything that creative like. I mean, Six's Pokemon are really good, as we've discussed. And you know, if Sneasel didn't already have an evolution, I'd ask for it to get one. Really mm-hmm. flesh it out. So they clearly had the right idea in mind in Gen 4. So I guess Quillfish is the only outlier. Yeah, that's the one I'd change, too. Um, yeah, I would just... And it would just be, like, a slight tweak, I think. Like, I think maybe changing up the type is good, but even just giving a more interesting design. Another stage to the Blowfish mm-hmm. beyond just being a Blowfish. Like, especially when contrasted to each of the other Pokemon having three different things going on, to just have, yeah, it's a blowfish with Pokemon eyes and mouth on it. It just feels <laughs> really uh, simple. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I think that uh, that brings us home to my favorite section, then, Mr. Darling. Hey, Boo Boo, how would we get ourselves some picnic baskets? Mon appetit. If you'd like my personal crack medicine. Oh man, I got to say it this week, darling. That was the first time in how many episodes that I actually said le français. 
Um, How did that feel? Did it make you feel good? Um, I felt a little dirty, actually. I think we have to go back to you saying it after this because my French accent is very uh, is very Germanic sounding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's only one chance I get to do Yogi Bear on this podcast, so touche, presumably. touche. Mm. Um, but uh, sorry, Mr. I just Darling... need to interrupt. Uh, this is important. Uh, so Meg just texted me from the other room saying, "No, no Yogi Bear sounds." No. <laughs> I will note that she may be shooting down your Yogi Bear, but she did not say anything about your boo-boo because your boo-boo is impeccable. I feel like you're making a joke about my ass right now. No, I literally was not. You just, you made the joke yourself. Congratulations. You played uh, yourself, as the meme says. <laughs> uh, I was literally not going there. I was very genuinely trying to pay you a compliment, friend. Okay. So tell us about what you would eat today. So back in 2011, there was a restaurant in Los Angeles that was doing a Burger of the Week thing, and they announced that they were going to have a bear burger. Uh, but unfortunately, they canceled that plan at the last minute, and when I went there, they did not have the bear burger. They just had a burger, which was fine. But God damn it, I want to eat a bear. So give me an Ursaring burger on a honey wheat bun. Um... So, question for you. I think I brought this up that, like, Food Wars did an episode, this anime, this amazing anime that I just love way too much. Uh, they did an episode where, like, the competition was for the young chefs to cook bear meat um, as a gourmet food. And, you know, the whole, ep like, the preparation for it was them learning how to contend with uh, bear meat being such an odorous meat. Huh. Like, it has a very gamey taste, but, like, when they kept testing it and trying it out in their preparations, you know, the it tastes good at first, but then there's this odor in the meat that then just punches you and just overpowers almost anything. So, like, the whole test of the chefs became, how do we season and prepare this so that that odor is either overpowered by our seasoning or becomes an asset to the meal? Um so it's just interesting to think about. Like, I hadn't thought of meat having that kind of quality, but apparently bear meat notably does. Interesting. That's probably why they canceled this plan. So, yeah, it would probably be really... So, like, without any, like, major seasonings, like, you, it doesn't have the same quality of beef where you can just put a slab of it on a bun and just have that not uh, overpower a person's palate. Um so it would be interesting. I'm not saying it's impossible, but just food for thought. Eh, eh. To that end, Yo, I would go. I would go with a shuckle stew. Um, probably, mm. I think it'd be interesting if you could break a shuckle shell in half and actually have serve it in its own shell. Okay, yeah, that's cool. Hmm. Yeah, I would. Um, so you remember the movie Emperor's New Groove, mm -hmm. where they go to like the '50s style diner in 14th century Incan Empire. <laughs> and they are served like these bugs on like a plate and there's mm -hmm. this scene where uh like Cusco who's the llama the person transformed into a llama and the snobby prince like is grossed out by his peasant friend Pacha cracking open a bug and just eating up it slurping up and says with a straw and eating it uh yeah I thought that looked tasty I don't know what why they were getting all these gag shots from Cusco there but I thought that looked delicious, and I would love to do that with Heracross. Uh -huh. it's I know he's such a sweet boy, but maybe if he died of like natural, non-poisonous causes. <laughs> I mean, he's also a very big boy, so you're talking about like a family meal oh, of yeah. Heracross. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I think that actually does sound better than some of the alternatives on the board today. Um, but I like that we all went different ways with this. This is one of the rare times that each of us picked a different mon to cook and a completely different mode of preparation. Yeah. So good job, guys. Uh, Kev, off. that brings us home. So what have you got going on these days? Where can people find you? What do you want people to check out? Uh, yeah, I host a podcast called Talking Who to You. You can find easiest place to find that is on Twitter and then at Talking Who to You, and you can find links to like on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcast places. Uh, it's talking about Doctor Who extra canonical spinoff material. So it's like if Star Wars audiobooks, but they had like Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford doing the voices because this is Doctor Who and the British actors doing these roles. Uh, don't have much else going on in their life right now. But, I mean, good for them, because they have a lot going on in terms of just feeding the endless beast of this franchise. And there's <laughs> there's a lot of good stuff there that, even if it's not, like, official TV show, that, uh, yeah, it's... So I'm uh, plugging, like, it's produced by a company called Big Finish in England, and you have Doctors 4, 4 through 8 and 10 recording new material in character. And it's... And then me and my friend JG from Scotland, we talk about them over Skype, and that's very fun. Nice. Mr. Darling, what have you got going on of late? Uh, I'm sorry, I have one more thing I want to talk about. Oh, well, I'll go back to Kev. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. And one more thing I want to plug, since I couldn't find a natural entry point to talk about earlier, uh, during all the Yogi Bear talk, the viral video about Boo Boo Kills Yogi, which is a parody of the assassination of Jesse James (laughs) film, but with Yogi and Boo Boo. It's delightful. It's one of those, like, I think it's from like a decade ago um, videos like that era of YouTube. Oh yeah. So Baloo, funny. Uh, our mutual friend Mason was the one who showed that to me. And it's just incredible. Uh, Mason is, has a good nose for commentary, satire and memes. Shout out to Mason. Um, but back to you, Michael, what have you got coming out going on and uh, in the works? quarantine so not much and lots of it hey i hear you um i have been keeping up with the uh with the heroes rewatch podcast um that show is a lot better than i remember it being at least we're still on the first season so keep that in mind if you're looking for something to listen to and inspire a rewatch uh binging of a tv show um there's that um, otherwise, I'm just uh, enjoying the quarantine social life of uh, Dungeons and & Dragons and Zoom happy hours. So to everybody, I say stay safe out there. I know things are starting to reopen, but keep an eye on the numbers more than anything else is the Mon Men show advice. Um, Don't be a fucking moron. Yeah, there we go. That's uh, that's another way to put it. Thanks, Michael. Um, You're welcome. Uh, but that being said, I have once again been Yanato Blue. I just love them picnic baskets. Kev, everybody, thanks for being here. Yeah, yeah, I'm in the eye of the storm where the pressure's on. And them seeds is dressed funny like a leprechaun. I chop rappers up like chicken Szechuan. Sell a squad's off like a slave auction. Hey, yo, my zodiac sign read caution. On stage, I make you see to an off on. Yo, my age and algebraic equation. Niggas want some, I hit them with a portion. Son of fifth or armed at the door, son. And military dice, war quick, draw, son. You don't want no more, son, that's when more come. And drag a nigga every avenue to all gun, y'all all done. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Select a weapon at the gate upon entering. Who's instrumental and spark shit? The niggas try to talk shit. We hit them like the LS60 if a market. South Philly clip a hole into a nigga pocket. Take sneaks, chains, and ranks and bracelets. Split back this like we the therapist. Adrenaline, fifth mic terrorist. Once again, once again, once again. Once again.